So today, uh, I want to start a sort of a series next few weeks. I want to talk a little bit about worship. And, um, you know, worship worship is very, very central to the kingdom of God, to kingdom life, to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's really at the kind of the heart and core of everything that, everything we do and everything we are. And in the vineyard, as a vineyard church, it sort of has even a, a you know, a, another level kind of, a, of meaning in that from the very beginning, our, our movement was, was birthed about 40 some years ago, really out of worship. And we've always said it, it's our highest priority. One of the five core values of the vineyard movement is to worship God. And um, I think it's important that we revisit this from time to time. It's really probably something we should do every year, although sometimes I probably slip on that. But periodically, we need to talk about worship because, like anything in life, um, you, you, it can become routine. You can kind of just lose focus, okay? We were having a conversation the other day uh, in the office about the different traditions in the church. And you've got sort of the Orthodox Church and then the Catholic Church. And then you've got kind of the liturgical church, like our, our friends here at Christ the King, and then sort of the non-liturgical, we call ourselves, although that's a misnomer, church like us. And how in some of those traditions, they, they have practices that that might seem just kind of empty and kind of routine. But the reality is that all of those practices had value and depth and meaning when they started. They were, all, they were all part of worship, and somehow along the way, that meaning got lost, and now it just becomes a thing we do. And I, I would say this, that as, as non-liturgical as we consider ourselves, that can happen to us too. We can fall into this thing of, uh, you know, we come here, we sing songs, and then, you know, we listen for a little while, and then we go home. And I really feel like we need to just be mindful of not allowing that to happen in our own lives. There's another thing that I think happens from time to time. And I'm just going to, I'm going to be a, a little bit honest about this and maybe just a little wee exhortation. But we can, um, in, in our tradition, I think something that happens, we can become what I call critically distracted. Critically distracted means, I don't know this song. I don't like this song. It's too loud. I like the other worship leader better than this worship leader. Why don't we do the old songs? Anybody identify with any of those things? I just, let's be honest. Um, look, all, everybody has preference, okay? We all have preference, things we like and don't like. I get that. I'll, I'll just share. A while back, several years ago, I was visiting some friends in Idaho, great state of Idaho, and they were having what, it was Vineyard Church, they were having what they call Cowboy Church. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. So Cowboy Church is kind of, I suppose, fun if you're a cowboy. Uh, and they do vineyard worship songs, sort of country western style. Those of you that know me know I love music. I, I, I listen to music every day. At I, I, my office I have music on. When at home I have music on. I listen to all different kinds of music except country western. I'm not really a country fan. And so I'm at cowboy church, and immediately I'm going, you have got to be kidding. And then I kind of got convicted, and I thought, why? I, you know, th- these folks are really worshiping God. They're having a great time, and I'm not because of this. So I'm not going to let that stop me. So I actually engaged in cowboy worship. 
So I, I, just, I just say that to say this. The, don't allow yourself to get focused on the peripherals, but, but really just sometimes... Oh. Okay. <laughs> I just think if you find yourself more focused on some of the peripherals than on engaging with God, maybe you need to do a little heart check. The, the issue might be with you. Look, again, you know, I, I mean, oh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. You know, I mean, we hear it's too loud, it's too loud. But look, I, I worship in Latin America, okay? You have no idea, okay? It, it's, it's, they, it's, it's always loud by, by design. They crank it up. And, and I love it. I love worshiping with my friends there because it is so vibrant and so alive, you know? So don't let yourself get focused on those peripheral issues. If, if you find yourself there, just maybe ask God, Lord, help me check my heart and get back to a place where I'm really able to engage in you, even if it's maybe not my favorite. Fair? There, there are two, uh, this is an oversimplification. I'm generalizing here, but for our purposes, I'm going I'm to go ahead and do it. There, there are two primary dynamics involved in worship. Intimacy and celebration. And again, that's an oversimplification, but we tend to sort of identify the word worship with intimacy. We experienced that this morning. There were a couple times this morning. It was just very, very intimate. You could really sense God's presence in a, in a real tangible way. It was peaceful. And then there's also what we call celebration. And I think we experienced a little bit of that this morning too. And that's more upbeat kind of praise at a time when you're really just going before God, you know, in sort of a, a more demonstrative fashion, I guess. Uh, both are important, but I want to focus on praise today. That, that, we're going to look at that, and I'll explain why in a minute. But my title this morning is Praise Him Anyway. And so if you want to pray with me, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Lord, I just pray you would open your word to us today, and you would allow us to, uh, to really consider again what it means to praise you and worship you today. Speak to us this morning, Lord God. In your name we pray. Amen. So our, uh, our text this morning is uh, also from the Psalms. It's Psalm 150, and I'm going to go ahead and read that. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. I put a little break right there because the first few phrases deal with just the dynamic of praising God, and then he shifts and he talks about more of the how-to. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. We don't have any trumpets, but it would be fun if we did. I've been in worship with trumpets. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. We don't have harps and lyres either, but we have keyboards and guitars, and that's very similar. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Uh, I didn't see much dancing today. I don't know what a timbrel is, but Kyle can probably play one. You know, he just says, no, Kyle can play anything. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. I will mention that he's, he, he, the psalmist, not me, the psalmist lists cymbals twice. I'm just saying. Uh, let everything that has breath, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Psalm 150 is the end of the Psalms. This is the, the end of the book of Psalms. It's Israel's worship book, if you will. And it closes out the final word. Last word on worship in, in the Psalms is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My title today is Praise Him Anyway, because sometimes life can be really hard. 
You know, this past week has been a hard week for many of us. Hard week for me. Uh, last Sunday, uh, I got a call in the afternoon. Our dear friend, Kurt Werner, passed away unexpectedly. Kurt had been in the hospital for a couple weeks, and his medical team had had trouble coming up with a diagnosis. They finally figured out that he had lymphoma, which was a reoccurrence. He'd had that before, and they had a treatment plan in place, and everything was kind of looking up. He was supposed to go home on Monday, and Sunday afternoon he passed away. And then through this week, we've had a number of different situations. Most of you guys know that Rebecca McVicker's in the hospital, or is home now, but was in the hospital for surgery for cancer this week. And sometimes when you're a small congregation, a lot of things like that happen in a row. You kind of go, what in the heck is going on here? And you find yourself shaken a little bit. Your faith can be shaken. Let's be honest about it. Uh, you might say, I, I don't have a whole lot to celebrate about. And, again, I think if we're being honest, sometimes in those moments you've got to work really hard just to keep yourself from kind of spiraling down into that sort of vortex of despair and hopelessness. I'll be honest, I'll say it, sometimes that's the way it is. But I want to say this too, that the thinking that I can't celebrate or I can't worship when life is hard is worldly thinking. I, I would say that that is... I would go on record and say that is demonically inspired worldly thinking. That the enemy would try to tell you that when life is hard, you can't worship God. But that is not from God. And we cannot allow our circumstances to dictate our disposition. As followers of Christ, we have to, got to come to terms with the fact that that's not what praise is about. It's not about what's going on in my life right now. Praise and worship is about who God is. And here's the thing. Life is changing. Life is always changing. Life is constantly changing. And the world that we live in today, life is changing faster at a faster pace than it ever has been changing before in the history of the world. It moves at the speed of sound. And, and frankly, I feel a lot of times like I can't keep up with it. But God is never changing. God is unchanging. He's the same Yesterday, today, tomorrow, and every other day that ever will be. God is unchanging. He doesn't change. He's stable and solid in the midst of whatever else is going on. And sometimes life kind of sucks, right? God never sucks. Sometimes life deals you a bad hand and you go, we've all had this thought. That's not fair. This isn't fair. I thought about that yesterday. And, and I just want to take a minute. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who drove out to support Susan and her family yesterday. Kurt's service was in Bend, which is three hours away. A lot of you guys spent a 12-hour day driving out, hanging out with them, coming back. I know people are signed up to take food over to the McVickers. It's, it's awesome to be in a body that cares and loves like that. But I, during the service, a lot of people were just saying, and I said this, when I met Kurt and Susan, I just go, this guy, this is like the nicest guy I've ever met. I mean, honestly, this guy is the most genuinely nice person I've ever met. And you go, that's not fair. How come people that are that nice die? And people that are sometimes are kind of jerks, they, they just sort of live forever. Well, I don't get that. I don't understand. It doesn't work for me. I'm struggling. God is always good. Life deals you a bad hand. God is good. When is God good? There you go. All the time. Sometimes life can be really ugly. It really can. I watch the news. I see these things. I go, 
That's, ah, God is beautiful. And we, will, we, we say, you know what? I'm going to praise God for his beauty right now today in the midst of the ugliness that's surrounding me. It takes, I'm going to say, it takes a little bit of maturity sometimes to look at God in the midst of darkness. Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he said that at a time when there were some tough circumstances. But I want to tell you this. This is an encouragement today. The bigger your God is, the more manageable your problem becomes. Okay? When you look at your problem and you go, oh my gosh, that's huge. That's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. And then you, you, you don't look at your problem. You look at God and you go, you know what? That's not so big. I can handle this. Because God is bigger than that. I always think about David and Goliath. Okay, a little context. So, Goliath shows up. Fee-fi-fo-fum. And he says, send somebody out to fight me. And the whole Israelite army shakes in fear and they go, we don't got a guy big enough to fight him. Well, he changed the rules. Who says you do that? Well, the whole army could have attacked and taken him down in a second, but they, oh no, he's calling the shots. Whatever will we do? And they got afraid and they backed off. And David, David, little shepherd kid out in the field, spindly leg David, knobby knees, he has a slingshot and he walks up and he goes, I'll take him. And I, I always picture some guy next to David going, hey, uh, that's a big dude. And David going, yeah, he's so big, I don't think I can miss. Look at the head on that guy. You know, how do you, I don't even got to aim. Fire away. Our God is bigger than the problems that we face. And look, I am not talking about, this is my, one of my least favorite sayings, is fake it till you make it. I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about this la, 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 praise Jesus, amen, hallelujah, everything's good all the time, I have no problems. No, that's crap. I'm not talking about that. Warfare is a reality. Life is hard. Let's acknowledge that. Let's just say that. And then, and then let's say, but God is bigger than that. That's the reality. God, God is bigger than that. My God is good. My God is more loving and more powerful than all. So, it's a great little story in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Mahonites, they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. There was, so, so Israel wanted a king, right? You remember that? Israel wanted a king, and, and so God gave him a king. Saul was king. That didn't work out so well. David became king. That was better. David lived his life out, uh, passed the throne on to his son Solomon. Solomon was manic depressive. And uh, so after that, Israel split into two. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. There was a succession of kings, most of which were bad. Most of the kings of Israel and Judah did not serve the Lord. They, they were self-serving. But among them, there were a few good kings. The random guy that said, no, I'm going to follow after God. And Jehoshaphat was one of those. He was a good king. Some people came and they told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already, they're coming. They're already in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. They're coming. They're out, coming at you. 
alarmed, alarmed. Joseph is afraid and he says, I'm going to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So in the midst of a vast army coming against him, he chooses to say, we're going to pray and we're going to fast and we're going to seek God. That's what we're going to do today. Look, he's facing an enemy that's too big to beat. He understands, he knows, I do not have the resources to defeat this enemy. If we go to war with these guys, we're going to get whooped. And he says, so what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray and we're going to seek God. And as they did that, God speaks. And he says, listen, King Jehoshaphat, all of you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. See the deliverance of the Lord. Jude and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Understand this. The circumstances had not changed. Okay, I want to make that clear. The vast army that they cannot beat is still coming. The only thing they have on their side is a word from the Lord. So this is what they do next. And this is where it gets good. Joseph bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshipped before the Lord. Some of the Levites with the uh, Kohathites and and Korathites were subdivisions of the Levites. They served in the temple. Specifically, they were the singers. These were the singers. Okay, that was their job. They stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a loud voice. That's what they did. So circumstances hadn't changed, but they seek God, and they have a word from the Lord, and they worship God. And now it gets weird. This is where it gets weird. Okay. Let the fun begin. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness. Yes. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. Okay. I am, uh, I am not a military strategist. I, I don't. Uh, I read a couple books about Civil War and about World War II. I never served in the military. I don't know how this works. But I'm just guessing that you send your big guns out first. But Jehoshaphat does not send archers or sword guys or shield guys out in the front of the army. He sends the singers out front. I used to think about the singers. I'm going, they're probably going, what? Excuse me, pardon me. Uh, But... uh, Go to the back. Um, no, he sends the singers out first. That, that is not, you know, the, the art of war, Song Su or whatever. I don't think that's in there. Put the singers out in the front. So if you read the rest of the chapter, the enemy hears the worship of God going up and they're confused and they turn against each other and they start infighting and they, they, they defeated themselves. And instead of engaging the enemy... Jehoshaphat's army won because they engaged the Lord. Let me say that one more time. Instead of engaging the enemy, Jehoshaphat's army won because they engaged the Lord. Maybe maybe life is good right now. I hope it is for somebody. 
Maybe your life is good right now. Amen. Let me say this. God is worthy to be praised always. God is always deserving. Good days, bad days, and every day in between. God is worthy to be praised. Here's the thing. And this is the beauty. This is the beauty of what's happening right now in our church. And it's a beautiful thing. Is that each one of us has the opportunity to lift up praise and worship to God and break through for our neighbor. And that's what's happening. Again, when I mentioned just the support and encouragement, we have the opportunity to go before the Lord and praise and worship Him on behalf of somebody else. We can say, we're going to push through right now for people that are going through it. We're going to worship God. And, and, and if my life is good, maybe I'm just cruising along and everything's hunky-dory, jim-dandy. I'm going to worship and I'm going to push through darkness for the people around me. That's, that's what the body of Christ is about. That's who we are as a people. And that's who we'll always be as a people. And I tell you this, praise will, praise will push back the darkness. It will. It will. Don't get caught up. Don't let yourself get caught up. I don't like this. I don't like that. Join the battle. Just join the battle. I'm going to fight for somebody today. I'm going to, I'm going to go before God and I'm going to sing my heart out for somebody today. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. Here, here. Push, push back the darkness in your neighbor's life today. Be free. Be free. Be free. What? I was... I, what? One, one more little tiny exhortation. I was with the kids at Anthem a couple weeks ago, youth conference. Look, I know they're kids. They're not that bright. Just joke. It was a joke. But here's the thing I noticed, and, and frankly was a bit convicted by, is when worship starts, they just start, and the whole stinking crowd comes to the front of the room. And they pack the stage like sardines. And it's like a little holy mosh pit up there. And they jump around and dance up and down the whole time. The whole time. They never stop. And some of them have very elaborate spin moves and things. Some of them not so much. They're just kind of, you know, doing the funky chicken. But they don't let that stop them. They just go. They just do it. And they, and they, go, they go head on. And I, I was just thinking... I don't know, we could maybe learn a little bit from them. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Look, we've, we, it's always been the same here. We have one rule, okay? You guys know the rule, right? No swords, all right? And that is not a theological statement. No swords is really just a safety thing. We, it's a safety thing. We don't want any... I was at a conference once for those who know story, and some dude was during worship, breaks out this big King Arthur sword. He's waving it around, and... It was like the ushers are like, we've got to stop this guy. He's going to kill somebody. You know, he was off in the zone. He was, he was doing battle, but I was, it was just concerning. What if he kills somebody? So that's our only rule. You can dance. You can sit, stand, lay down on the floor, whatever you want, but there are no swords. Come on, guys. 